Good morning, Church Project. We're glad that you're joining us this morning. Uh, whether you're at your house or camping or whenever, however you're joining us right now, glad that we could be worshiping together. We're going to jump in and continue in the book of Ruth. And so if you would open your Bibles to Ruth chapter 2, verses 11 through 16 is what we're going to look at today. So Ruth chapter 2, verses 11 through 16. Before we begin this morning, I, I would like us to start with a declaration. Um, it's what we used to declare when we were all together. And so if you would, let's make this a declaration over our time together and over our lives. It's found out of Isaiah chapter 61, verses 10 through 11. So if you would make this declaration with me today. I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for He has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for His wedding or a bride with her jewels. The sovereign Lord will show His justice to the nations of the world. Everyone will praise Him. His righteousness will be like a garden in the early spring with plants springing up everywhere. God, thank you for our time today. And I pray over all of our hearts, over all of our minds, that God, we would be still, that we would listen to your Holy Spirit, and that God, maybe some of us this morning, we just need encouraged or we need specific directions, and we're coming in heavy together in our worship time this morning. So God, would you meet us, each of us, exactly where we're at? And God, I pray that your righteousness will be like a garden in the early spring and it'll be springing up everywhere in our lives. God, thank you for our time. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, church, I'm so excited to teach this passage today. Um, it's a very, very, it's a beautiful, it's, this passage is a love story. This is the beginning of one of the, the greatest love stories of all times. In fact, it, growing up in a, in a Jewish tradition, you would know this story because this is like the pinnacle of a love story. So Ruth chapter 2, starting in verse 11, let's read this together. Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland, and came to live with a people you did not know before. Verse 12, May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over, and she got up to glean. Boaz gave orders to his men, Let her gather among the sheaves, and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stock for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So here's the beginning of this beautiful love story. And last week and leading up to this point, we see that, that Ruth, she, 
comes from this, this foreign land and her husband dies and she is committed to go with Naomi, her mother-in-law, into the land of Judah, into where the Israelites are. And so she's coming from, from funerals. She's coming from a famine that had taken the family over there. And she's coming into a very foreign land and she's at the bottom, bottom rung. In verse 11, we see here Boaz. What does he say? Boaz replies, I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. I like how he starts out and he says, I've been told. In essence, what does this mean? Many people were talking about Ruth. He had already heard about Ruth. And in a very real way, he heard about her sacrifices. And see, you can see it right here. He heard about, he heard about her selfish actions, how, he was, how she was saying, hey, Naomi, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go to your land. I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to leave you. And see, we see Ruth, that she has been sacrificing along the way, which makes me wonder. And our motives in life. Like, why do we do what we do? What motivates our actions and our choices? See, there's, there's something we talk about often. Like, there's one thing that I, I'm in charge of, and that is my character. Who I am, what I do, what I say. When you're around and other people are around, also when no one's around. Like, my character. You, whoever's listening, whoever knows me, you're in charge of my reputation. So, Hopefully, I'm a man of such character that my reputation goes before me and, and you say good things about me. Well, I don't do things just so you say good things about me. And I, and I don't think Ruth here is doing things just so Boaz would say good things about you. Like our motives, what motivates our actions and our choices? Hopefully, it's not just to have a good reputation, though that is the fruit of a good character, being a man or a woman of good character is probably a good reputation. But when no one's looking, what motivates us? What drives us? Is it simply to do what's right because it's right? And, and I hope that's the case. And, and so we see right now, Boaz, here's a reputation that comes from Ruth's character, who she is, what she's doing, how she's serving and loving and living the way her, her life, how she's living it. And Boaz hears of this. He says, I've been told, I know all about you already. Then we get to verse 12 and it says, may the Lord repay you. This is Boaz meeting Ruth for the first time, talking and says, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. And I love these next three words. It says, may you be and look what follows. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And when Boaz says, may you be, in essence, what Boaz is doing is he's calling out of Ruth what is beautiful and what is good. So far, Ruth, I mean, she's lived a pretty hard life. I mean, she's, she's lost her husband. She has moved to a foreign land. And Boaz, who's just now meeting her, sets her free and calls out the good and true and beautiful that he sees in Ruth. And also what he's heard in Ruth, which challenges me as a Christian. 
and it may challenge you as well, like, how do we see the Imago Dei in those who are different from us? And the Imago Dei is the image of God. And so if we believe that as humans, God has handcrafted us in the womb, His fingerprints is, is on every human being, regardless of nationality, regardless of color, regardless of social economical standings. Like if you're a human and you're breathing, God's Imago Dei, He breathed on you. You are the image of God. And so how do we see the Imago Dei in those that are different from us? And so as Ruth comes in, a different color, different nation, different gender, different on all sorts of types, as she comes in, he sees the Imago Dei, the image of God on her. And he calls out the greatness, the beautiful and the true things in her. And another thing that I think that he does here, Boaz, he is at the top of his game. As Krista said last week, Boaz, no matter how you look at it, had it going on. Like he was very successful. He, he had multiple fields. He was on top of his game, making a ton of money. And here comes Ruth. And what does he do? Ruth is like at the bottom of the food chain right now. I mean, we have Boaz. And, and I don't know what his LLC was made up of, like Boaz and team or Boaz and company LLC, but it was probably him. He probably had some managers. Um, he had, probably had some other owners. He probably had people, others that were managing his field. And then he had workers, people that the managers were telling what to do, their workers. And then they had servants that were serving the, the workers. And then we have Ruth. At the very bottom, like we have Boaz at the top and we have Ruth right here. And when he calls out this beautiful and true and noble thing, what does he do? He instills dignity back into her. So if we see others as the Imago Dei, God and everyone that we encounter, can we help but not call out the beautiful and true things and people around us, whether we agree with them or not? Can, can we instill dignity in people? 1 Corinthians 14, 39 says this, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Another version says, um, Therefore, brothers and sisters, um, be eager or desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. And when we talk about prophecy right here, it's not like I have a dream, I want to speak this out in the future, but it's seeing what God has done and what God has crafted and calling it out of that person. Saying, Ruth, I'm going to call out truth. I'm going to call out beauty. I'm going to speak beauty over you. And as Christians in this 1 Corinthians 14, 39, like it says, therefore, brothers and sisters, be eager, desire. So as Christ followers, we should desire, we should pray and ask God that he would give us words of wisdom to speak over people, over our family, over our friends, whoever we come across, like we eagerly desire to speak beautiful, life-giving words to everyone that we see, regardless of whether we met him the first time or not. Like, just think, that's probably what Jesus would do with every relationship. And we see Boaz here meeting Ruth for the first time, and that's what he does. Let's get to verse 13 here. It says, may I continue, and this is Ruth speaking, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord? She said, you have put me at ease You've put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of even one of your servants. And so she recognizes right away, like, I'm not even a servant. Like, I'm 
I'm underneath on this whole food chain. Like I'm at the bottom right here. And in verse 13, she says, may I continue to find. Now this speaks a lot to me about Ruth's character. Like who she is as a woman. Because Ruth receives this great blessing from Boaz with gratitude. She doesn't, she isn't like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like she's not so down in the dumps and so against herself and the world at large because her husband's died. She's living in a different country. No, she receives this blessing, Boaz's beautiful blessing with gratitude. This says a lot about Ruth and her character. No wonder her reputation was so beautiful. She chooses to recognize them as blessings and gifts from God and others. And so these words and these things that Boaz just keeps pouring on her, Ruth chooses to receive them as blessings and gifts. Now Ruth has every right, though, to choose a very different past. Uh, path, sorry. She has every right to choose a, a different path. Yeah, yeah, Boaz, whatever. Thank you. I just, you know what? I just want to, I just want to feed my family for right now. So thank you. Who knows what God's going to do in the future. My life might be over. Like I'm a childless widow in a foreign country. Like, woe is me. But Ruth doesn't see it that way. Ruth could have chosen a very different path because of her past hurt. And that's true in our lives. But what's going to be missed if Ruth does that? Just so you know, Ruth is the great-grandmother of Jesus incarnate. Of the bloodline of Jesus is Ruth. And I think in this moment right here, she chooses to say, Thank you. I have a heart of gratitude, God, for everything you've done. And though not ideal, though not what I would choose, like my life is still filled with pain. Thank you, God. And we see this character and we see this beauty in Ruth that ends up being, you know, only two generations away from Jesus Christ himself. Beautiful in verse 13. Let's get to verse 14. Verse 14 says this, At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here. Have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. This is the first date. I think, I think Boaz is like, oh, this, this Ruth is, yeah, I, I, I think I like what I see here. I think I like what I hear, what I've heard of her. And so he does that super Rico Suave thing. He says, hey, come over here, get some bread, dip it in some wine vinegar. You want some roasted grain? Like, how's that for a first date? I don't know that I necessarily would choose that, but you see this in verse 14. And Boaz said to her, now, I don't, I don't want us to jump completely into year 2020 because this is written in the Mid-Eastern time for a Mid-Eastern pe Mid people over 2,000 years ago. And there were a whole different set of standards during this time. And what we see right here by just Boaz saying to her, remember, she's at the bottom of the rung. And what we see here is Boaz definitely breaks five big boundaries here. And it probably breaks a whole lot more, but I just want to talk about five big, big boundaries that Boaz breaks. Well, number one, the man that should not be speaking to a foreign woman. He shouldn't be doing it. Like it breaks so many boundaries of, of cultural times, what's happening here. So he breaks the, the gender rules, the gender boundaries. We have a Mideastern man speaking to a Moabitess and he breaks that down right away. Okay, there's one. Another boundary that Boaz breaks is national boundaries and Jordanian 
a Jordanite. I don't know how you would say that. A Jordan. Whatever. Ruth comes from Jordan. And she comes over to Israel, the Israelite. And we see Boaz breaking down that barrier, that boundary. That's the second one. So we see the gender boundary. We see the, the national boundary. And we also see a racial boundary. Like she comes from a different country. She has different tone of skin. Like she looks different as well. And that doesn't stop Boaz. Already he has three reasons to be like, she's so different from me. One, she's a female from a different country. She has a different skin tone. There's so many things that he's breaking down right here that I just want us to pause on number three and realize God has broken down every barrier between human and him. So before we get too lost in this story, this is our story. God has broken every barrier. He's come to us in the disgust of our pit, in the disgust of our, of our, pen, our, our sin and pain, and he's broken it all down. He said, I am God Almighty, and I'm coming to die for you. I'm coming to you. And we see God Almighty meeting each and every one of us, breaking down every barrier, pushing back every wall. Why? Because he loves us this much. Let's get to the fourth barrier that Boaz breaks. He breaks the gender boundary, the national boundary. He breaks the racial boundary. He breaks the social economic boundary. Like most humans, and this is true of me as well, when we get into social economic boundaries, our education, our wealth, our privilege, what, whatever we want to call it, like it's easier for me to communicate with someone that looks like me, is on the same level as me, like I can understand. But as soon as someone comes in that's making a ton more money, has a lot more clout, like I, I get a little nervous. And if, if you're anything like me, like think of your, your absolute famous like hero or star. If they walked into the room right now, you're like scrambling for an autograph because you're just nervous and you can't have a normal conversation now. They're like, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? You freak out, right? And so he's breaking down the social economic boundaries. Remember, he's a super wealthy man and she's the lowest of low. He's breaking this boundary down by saying, come, come over to me. Come to me. And then the last one that he breaks down, I think this is really hard, especially if you grew up in a, in a Christian church or, or you're a, a, a solid Christian here, is he breaks down the religious boundaries. He says, I don't care what religion you are. I don't care if you're atheist, Islam, Hindu, Judaist, Judea, Judaism. I don't care what you are. Like, I'm going to break this down. I'm going to meet you. I'm going to speak blessings over you. I'm going to introduce you to this beautiful thing called Jesus. And in our lives, Christians, may we not be so much in our Christian bubble that we just interact with Christians all the time. And we don't talk lovely and beautiful things about all of our Muslim friends and all the people of different religions. Like, listen, like he, Boaz, breaks this down too. And this is a beautiful highlight of these five things. He breaks down the gender rules, the national boundaries, the racial boundaries, the social economic boundaries, the religious boundaries. And we'll stop right there and reminds me of Galatians 3.28. And may this encourage your heart today. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. Neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ. You are all one in Christ. Do you breathe? We are one in Christ. God loves you just as much as he loves your neighbor, 
just as, in, as much as he loves the person on the other side of the world, regardless of color, na nation, uh, national boundaries, regardless of race, regardless of social economic, regardless of what they believe. Like, listen, we pray for the world at large that they would come to know the love of Jesus Christ. There's neither Jews nor Gentiles nor slaves nor free. There's neither nor male or female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. And that's my prayer for us. That's my prayer for the world. We get to verse 15 and 16. Um, as she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Verse 16, even pull out some stock for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. I mean, this is the boss. He's saying what to do to go above and beyond. He says, even... He's already been generous, hasn't he? Like, I mean, he got, she got roasted grain and wine, vinegar, and bread. He's already fed her and protected her, like all this. But we get here and he goes, that's not enough. I'm in verse 16. Even, he goes one step further. Even, pull out some stocks and he, he orders them what to do. Boaz is such a good man and such a good leader. I would say this, for any of you that, that are leaders, especially people that are leading their own companies or organizations or people, study Boaz. There's so much about the way that Boaz lives his life. Like he's walking around talking to people. He's, that's what good leaders do. Like he's a good leader. He's a generous leader. I long to be a leader like Boaz. Boaz is such a good man and such a good leader. He's already been generous and he's doing even more. By the way, it wasn't like a just one day I'm going to be really generous kind of thing. If you, we continue on the story here, he's saying, I'm leaving behind the, the fruit or the harvest of this harvest. There's two harvests that, that Ruth is there, the wheat and barley. We're talking months that she's in the field and Boaz continues to be super generous. Church, may we live lives of generosity. Boaz is demonstrating this. He's super generous to Ruth. He's probably generous to everyone that works for him, that's under him, in his family, friends. Like He can't just be generous in this one silo called Ruth and be um, selfish and an ugly man outside. Like I think generous people are generous in everything that they do, in all of their relationships, in the way they speak, the way they act, the way they call out beauty from people, and what's true, and the way that that Boaz just instills dignity in Ruth when, when everyone else may be slapping her. Like, she's down. Like, whatever. But Boaz sees beyond that. He lives a life of generosity, and he gives more and more. I tell you, one of the things I love the most about Church Project is um, we are a very, very generous people. Like we say it this way, simplicity for the sake of radical generosity. Like we're biblical, simple, and relevant. Those kind of words drive us. Um, we're going to teach from the Bible. We're very simple and we're relevant. But the simple part of that is really, really hard. Like we're simple in our budgets. We're simple in everything that we do. Why? So we can be radically generous. That's what call, God's called us to do with our finances, with our words, with our lives. And we see Boaz being super, super generous. 1 Timothy 6.17 says this, Command those who are rich in this present world, which, by the way, 
Oftentimes when Paul is referring to this present world, he's saying in money, like we're not taking our money with us, right? So our riches, everything we amass here in the physical realm, it's this present world. So in 1 Timothy 6, 17, he says, command those who are rich in this present world. That's, that's good. You're not taking it with you. Like strive to be rich here. That's great. Nothing bad about that. But in this present world, not to be arrogant, or not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us for everything for our enjoyment. I would say this, we're all wealthy. Some of us financially might be super wealthy, that's great, but we are all wealthy. Don't be arrogant, don't flout that around. Don't be like, I'm wealthy and you guys are servants, serve me, Boaz shows. Like He's very wealthy financially, in so many ways he's wealthy, and he serves. He loves. He's not arrogant. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says this, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and this is Paul talking to the, the church in Corinth. He says, Since you excel in all of these things, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Boaz is excelling in everything, and he's excelling in giving. May you and I do the same thing. May you and I be such people of generosity that we're calling greatness. Like we're, we're prophesying over people. We're calling beautiful things out of people, true, lovely, noble things. We're seeing the image of God in everyone, and we're calling that greatness out of everyone, and we continue to live a life of excelling in the grace of giving giving of our words, giving of our money, giving of our time, giving of all that we have. I mean, hey, at the end of the day, that's what Jesus did. He gave everything for us. We are the lowest of people in the field. Foreigners <coughs> adopted by Jesus Christ. We're not worthy. May we receive this grace of generosity from Jesus like Ruth received this gracious gift from Boaz. May we never forget where we've come from, how, how far off the mark of perfection we are. May we never ever get to the point where we're so arrogant we don't receive what God's given us every moment of every day with a grateful, grateful heart. And may we have our relationships, the ones that are casual, the ones that are even superficial, but then the ones that go into intimate levels of our life, may we be known as truth speakers calling beauty out of everyone around us. Wow. May we be known as hospitable, kind, generous men and women who speak about God and His love into the lives of those around us. And with that, I think all of God's people say, Amen. Church, I want to pray for us, and, and then I have a couple announcements uh, today. So let me pray. God, thank you. I thank you so much for this passage. Just what a beautiful passage, God. I'm just so impressed with the characters that, that we get to read about, God. I'm impressed with Naomi. I'm impressed with Boaz. I'm impressed with Ruth. Though not perfect, God, I know that. They're human just like us. What an inspiration for us. May it encourage us today to live a life, especially like Ruth and Boaz and, 
and these individuals that are working out their faith. They're a project, God, just like we are. We're a project trying to figure out what it means to be the church and to fall more in love with you every day. So God, I pray for all of us that we would sit in our time today of reflecting and realize how generous you've been. And may we receive that as the beautiful gift that it is. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.